Is a popular popular podcast. Do not be afraid. Welcome to Popular History, a library of Catholic knowledge and insights brought to you daily. The historical stuff happens during the week, plus a modern cardinal on Saturdays. Sundays, we'll take a little bit of a break by covering some related topic, often as part of a multi-part Sunday series. Today is a Sunday and we're continuing our efforts to condense and summarize the classic long-form content of popular history, what's now the solemn high pod that we do on or near solemnities, into three to six minute chunks suitable for the new daily crowd. These summaries have about a tenth of the runtime of the originals, so if something really grabs your interest, feel free to pope on back to the original episode, it's linked in the show notes, for more in-depth analysis and a whole lot more tangents. Today we're taking another brief look at episode 0.7, the Deuterocanon. In short, the Deuterocanonical books are those that made it into modern Catholic and Orthodox Bibles, but not most Protestant Bibles. The discrepancies, perhaps oddly, all occur in the First Testament, more often called the Old Testament, as opposed to the Second Testament, aka the New Testament. You'd think the biblical canon that was around longer would be the more settled of the two, but ultimately, old disagreements between Jewish sects on what counted as scripture rolled on as an undercurrent into Christianity, and unlike a variety of other theological questions, never really reached an urgent enough state to demand full resolution until the 16th century, when Protestant reformers accused the Catholics of adding the disputed books to the Bible, and the Catholic Church responded, by formalizing the canon of scripture at the Council of Trent. I mean, sure, you'd think that's something that would have happened earlier, but the reality is, things don't tend to get clarified if no one's fighting passionately over them. As I understand it, the majority of folks agreed the deuterocanonical books were worth reading, and it actually didn't really matter whether they were actually part of the inspired word of God, because it's not like you'd be using them to teach anything other than what the church taught. And if you did become a heretic, well, the heresy was the issue, not your view of what counts as the canon of scripture. For what it's worth, you can absolutely point to earlier church rulings than Trent, but I'm talking full, formal, universal definitions here, not local councils or stuff like that. Now, I'm less careful about defining each vocabulary word the first time I use it with these epitome episodes than I was in the original long format run, because there simply isn't enough time to do that here, and you can refer back to the originals for more anyways. But deuterocanon is a heck of a word, and I should probably note that it means, in a nutshell, the books of the second canon. Canon meaning like a set list of things, in this case, Bible books. But the word also pops up in the sense of the canon of the mass, not to mention canon law. It's canon with one N in the middle, Two ends in the middle is the uh, artillery piece. Let's get out of our vocabulary corner and spend the rest of our time together today talking through what's actually in the Deuterocanon. Texts which, in case I hadn't made it fully clear, are 100% considered fully part of the Bible by the modern Catholic Church. Sure, it was a debated question for many years, but once it was settled at Trent, they are not typically put in separate sections or anything in Catholic Bibles. Now first, 
There are seven whole books considered canonical in the Catholic Church that you will not typically find in Protestant Bibles. They are Tobit, a sort of a weird romantic D&D campaign, and I'm using romantic in the medieval sense, so get candles out of your head unless you're using them to burn fish guts. Did I mention Tobit is a weird book? It's popular at weddings. There's also Judith, a major source of inspiration to artists, because the titular heroine beheads the Assyrian general Holofernes. Then there's Baruch, a book of reflections attributed to, well, Baruch, the scribe of the major prophet Jeremiah. There's also Sirach, also called Ecclesiasticus, which reads basically like Proverbs. In addition, there's the books of 1st and 2nd Maccabees, and those are two accounts of the 2nd century BC Maccabean revolt, with 1st Maccabees being generally the more sober and historical of the two, and 2nd Maccabees being generally, well, more fun. The last complete book of the Deuterocanon is the Book of Wisdom, a 19-chapter-long extortion to seek wisdom attributed to Solomon, but definitely not written by him. The Deuterocanon also includes several sections of books familiar to Protestants that did not make it into their versions, such as the apparent texts of letters mentioned in Esther, but not included in the shorter version of Esther because they were not written in Hebrew. We are wearing our pope collar glasses here, so I think we can ask why it would be important to stick to a definition of canonicity that would exclude the entire Second Testament. In addition to the bonus materials from Esther, which does include but is not limited to those letters I mentioned, Catholic and Orthodox Christians also have a longer version of the Book of Daniel, including the section with my personal favorite title, Bell and the Dragon. The Book of Baruch I mentioned earlier, or at least the first five chapters of it, were often tied in as additions to the Book of Jeremiah. Finally, I should also remind folks that there are at present 24 autonomous particular churches within the overall Catholic Church, and though I tend to focus on Roman-slash-Latin Catholics, as they are the strong majority, like they're 98% of Catholics, there are still millions of Catholics that belong to non-Roman traditions, coming from Orthodoxy, or from the Church of the East, and submitting to the Supreme Pontiff, also known as the Pope. The reason I bring up those autonomous particular churches is they have their own traditions regarding the canon of Scripture, in all cases excepting the deuterocanonical books I've described, but also including a variety of additional texts as well. I described those in a supplemental that is itself less than 10 minutes long, so I'm just going to link that in the show notes before this summary goes over 10 minutes itself. Thank you for listening. God bless you all.